Today I have a few different passages I want to look at. Um, but first I want to look in Ephesians 4 from verse 17. And the title of my message is The Holy Christian Life. Now, I could have named it other things than the believer um, or just the Christian life. Uh, because, as I already said, a, a person is a believer or he's not. There's, there's no in-between. And so I want to look at the scriptures today to look at what is a believer. What, what do we have in Christ? And what is He doing in our life? And what should we be doing um, as a as a believer, as a Christian. So we look in Ephesians 4 from verse 17. And I want to read some scriptures there. I want to read in Ephesians and I also want to read some in Colossians. But we'll read in Ephesians 4 verse 17. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that, is in in, ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the, to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil." Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands a thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. First, verse 30 says, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. This passage is not talking about unbelievers versus believers. This passage is talking about believers, about those who have trusted in Christ. And it's, it's telling us that someone who is a believer can do things that are grieving to the Holy Spirit, can do things that God isn't pleased with. And so he says in verse 30, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. And then notice it says, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. If you're a believer, you're sealed. God has put His Holy Spirit in you as a seal, that you are His, and that you will be with Him for all eternity. 
this is not to say that someone who acts like a good person is sealed by the Holy Spirit, but someone who is born again is sealed by the Holy Spirit. You know, people like Judas who can act like a good person will one day turn away from God because they never knew Christ and were apostate and are apostate. They turn away from the truth because that's what they do. 1 John 2.19 tells us that they went out from us because they were not of us. So we're not talking today about if you're sealed with the Holy Spirit that you got to make sure that you don't lose this seal because the Bible says you're sealed. You're sealed. Ephesians uh, earlier in um, chapter 1 says in verse 13, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and whom also after you believed you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of His glory. The earnest of our inheritance. In other words, it's a down payment for the final redemption. The earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. Until that final day when we're fully redeemed from all the sin of this world. That Holy Spirit is the down payment that God has given to promise and to seal us that we are His. So, why do we then talk about putting off the old man? Is that some works that we do that God will accept us? No, it should be a result of us being a new creature. Because we still have the flesh, we will always have the flesh, but we got to put it off. This I say therefore, and testify in the Lord, Ephesians 4.17, that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. How do the Gentiles walk? Well, it's all about money, fame, and all the pleasures of this world, right? Don't walk like the other Gentiles walk. You know, you can be a Gentile who is saved, but you're not like them anymore. Not in the sense that, oh, some would say, oh, so you're better than them. Romans 3 makes it clear we're all equal except for the grace of God. If, it's, if we're saved by grace, we're different. But because of Him, not because of us. Otherwise, it would be boasting. If we would be able to say, oh yeah, I, I was wise and I made a good choice because I'm so smart. Well, then it would be boasting. Then it would be us. But it's because of Him and because of what he has done, he says to put off the old man. Don't live like the Gentiles, the other Gentiles, who are darkened in their understanding and they're alienated from the life of God. And they've given themselves over to lasciviousness and work of uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. So how have we learned Christ? Well, He is the light. He is the light of the world. He is all that is good. He is all that is true. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is all that is good, all that is true. In Philippians 4, it talks about 
how we should think and how we should be. Philippians 4 verse 7 And the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Why should we think on the things that are true and honest and lovely and of good report? Because those are the things that uh, reflect the truth of God. Those are the things that align with the will of God. Things that are true, that are just, honest, pure, good report. Those things are the things that align with the truth of the Word of God. Now, what does it mean when Matthew 5, verse 48 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Does it mean now that, well, we will just die and go to hell because we can't get there. We can't be perfect, so we will... Because that's what Jesus said, Matthew 5, verse 48. He said, Be ye perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. And he said that after having talked about murder and what you think in your mind, that that can be murder, adultery, what you think in your mind can be adultery, about speaking oaths, um, making promises, not keeping them. And then he says, be ye therefore perfect. After having talked about all those things, he says, be ye perfect, as your Father in heaven is perfect. Some would say, Some do say that you can be perfectly holy and never sin if you're a believer. Now, I would tell you that's a lie. Romans 7, Paul talks about his flesh and his spirit is warring against each other. He says, I want to do good, but then I do evil. And the things I do want to do, I don't do. And the things that both ways. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I don't want to do, I do. Why is he saying that? Because he's talking about his spirit. That is in him is now who he is, how he thinks is his spirit, but he still has his flesh. So the things he wants to do is what his spirit wants. And yet the flesh wants to do the opposite. The things he doesn't want to do is the spirit doesn't want to do this, but then the flesh wants to. And so it's like a war, but then he says... One of, maybe one of the most beautiful verses in scriptures, in Romans 8 verse 1, after he's said, O wretched man that I am, he says in Romans 7 verse 24, Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then Romans 8 verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. What does that mean? Who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh. It's not adding works to our salvation. It's saying, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are not walking after the flesh. Even if you're walking after the Spirit, you have Christ and you're walking after the Spirit, you will still have this war. But that 
that means you will have the war. <laughs> That's where the difference comes in. Sometimes when a person becomes a believer, their life becomes harder because now they have a war that they didn't have before. Before it was just, I'll do whatever my flesh wants. And someone tells you, oh, you can't do this or you go to hell. And you try to not do it, but it's not a war in your soul. Like I was there. Somebody told me, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. Before I was a believer and I thought, well, he's probably right. So I won't do it so I can go to heaven. I won't, if, if I try to not do them, then maybe I can go to heaven. But if I'll do those things, then I'll definitely go to hell. That's what the person told me. The problem is, now you're getting into works. And it's not an inner struggle, it's just a mind thing. Oh, I don't want to go to hell, so what can I do to go to heaven? Live a little better life? Okay, then I'll go to heaven? Okay, that sounds good. Let's do that. And then you try, and... You can't do it, but your mind keeps tricking you that you think you're doing it, and you think you're doing it, and you think you're doing it. You, you think you're doing it because someone else is telling you you can. Now, when you come to the realization of what sin really is, then you realize you can't go on without sinning. Then you realize you need a Savior, and you need Jesus Christ. And that's why everything changes and that struggle becomes internal because now you have the spirit and the flesh because as long as you're on this earth, you will have the flesh. If someone tells me that you can live without sinning, I will tell you right now, that's a liar. First John says, if, if you say that you have no sin, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. And so that's a lie that you can just live perfect in this life. So, but what did Jesus mean? Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's saying we should not be okay with just being where we are at. Now, me, let me just remove all doubt. If you are a believer, if you are in Christ, you are okay in Christ. He has accepted you. He has forgiven you. And He has given you His righteousness. You are clothed 100% in the righteousness of Christ. If you have trusted in Christ. But what did Jesus say? Be ye perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. This means you shouldn't be okay with just sitting around and saying, I'm okay where I'm at. And hopefully uh, the rapture is going to be tomorrow and I'm going to be out of here. Because then I can just remain right where I'm at. That should not be our mentality. Our mentality is, I don't know which day Christ is returning. I know there's an issue in my life and I want to work towards getting that issue out of my life. I want to work towards becoming more pleasing to God. I want to work towards living a life that is pleasing to God. That should be our goal. And that's what... Paul said in Ephesians, uh, Philippians, Colossians, when he talks about putting off the old man, we still have the flesh, but to crucify the flesh is putting it off, is putting it aside and saying, we're not going to give in to the flesh because we want to live for the glory of God. We want to see God glorified by our life. As long as we want to hold on to the sin in our life, that... Uh, takes away from the effectiveness in our life. It says in 2 Peter 1, verse 3 um, through 11, 
Let's, let's just go there briefly. Second, Second Peter one verse three. According as his divine power has given us, given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue. God's divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And then he says, Now I'm mixing it up here. Uh, uh, he goes on and he says, um, Give all diligence, add to your faith virtue. You know, faith is the be- beginning, the, the foundation of salvation. If you don't have faith, you don't have salvation. If you have faith, you have salvation. If you have a true faith in Christ. So add, add to your faith virtue. To virtue, knowledge. To knowledge, temperance. Temperance, patience, to patience, godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. And then look at this, verse 8. For if these things be in you and abound, they shall make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacks these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. This is talking about sanctification in a believer's life. Add to your faith virtue, uh, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, brotherly kindness. If you do, then you will be fruitful. You will not be barren and you will not be unfruitful in the knowledge of God, in the knowledge of Christ. But if you don't have these things, then it says you're blind, you cannot see far off, and you've forgotten that you were cleansed from your old sins. So this is talking about growing in Christ and the necessity of growing. And if we grow, we will be fruitful in the kingdom of God. God is going to use us in his kingdom. If we don't have those things, we don't add virtue and godliness and brotherly kindness to our life, then we'll be blind and forget that we have been cleansed from our sins. It is not saying that, oh, now you've lost your salvation because you're not sanctified. Now you've lost your salvation because you didn't become as good as you could be. No, I think all of these things are written for the believers to give us knowledge and courage to do what is right and to strive for what is right, to work towards that which we know is pleasing to God. Not because we're scared of losing our salvation, but because we know what God has done in our lives. You know, when we realize what God has done in our lives, there's an appreciation that He has saved us and that He has given us a new life. When we don't care about our life and about holiness, then we grieve the Spirit of God. Even though we are sealed unto the day of redemption, as it says in Ephesians 4.30. Now, I want to just look in Colossians 3 for a bit yet. In Colossians 3 from verse 1. 
Listen how this is talking about the position of the believer. It says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits on the right hand of God, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth, for ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. So Colossians 3 starts out with saying, if you are risen with Christ, in other words, if you are born again, then you are dead and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your, your old man is dead, in a sense, even though we still have our flesh. But the Bible says we die together with Christ and we're raised to new life with Him. But our body, still we, we still are with our flesh, which is a sinful. And so, if you're risen, then seek those things which are above. It's not saying if you're risen with Christ, then you will know all things that are above. Or if you're risen with Christ, then all things that are above will be dumped into your lap. It says, if you be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Do something about it. Seek it out, those things which are from above. Where Christ sits on the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above. Your likes, your wants, the things that you're looking for, your affections, set them on things above. What is God's kingdom about? What is God doing on this earth? Where does He want to use me? That is to set our affection on things above and not on things on the earth. We can look to a thousand different things on this earth. To, uh, for example, I have friends that go bird watching. That's a good thing. That's not a problem. But you could set your affection on that and remove your affection from the things of God and put them on, on that earthly thing. But looking at nature and studying nature, that's good. If you, if you seek God in that, it's good. It's not, it's not a bad thing. So the, in that way, you can put your affection on earthly things and forget God. And he's saying here, set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. He's, he is saying this is a fact. If you're a believer, you have died with Christ and your life is hid with Christ in God. In other words, you are in Christ. God has accepted you and you are, you are in Christ. God sees you as righteous already because you are in Christ. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall you also appear with Him in glory. That is a set fact. If you are in Christ, you will be with Him one day that is set and then he goes on okay this is the position this is the place where we are at then he says mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication uncleanness inordinate affection evil concupiscence and covetousness which is idolatry these are things that our flesh wants and we see um covetousness is a common one. We see something that someone else has and we want it. 
It's something that we need to mortify, cut it off. If, if you find out your mind is always thinking about you want something that someone else has, cut it off. Don't, don't feed your mind with such things because covetousness is sin. It says it's idolatry. But yeah, there's more things here. Fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection. All of these things affect one of us in one way or another. It doesn't, they don't all affect us the same way, but they will affect us one way or another. And for these things sake, the wrath of God comes on the children of disobedience. Again, he's making a difference here now. He's saying the wrath of God comes because of these things, but it doesn't say that the wrath of God comes on the children of God. It says the wrath of God comes unto the children of disobedience. Those who live in these things and don't have Christ. The wrath of God for these things sake comes on the children of disobedience. In which you also walked some time when you lived in them. But now also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him where there is neither Greek nor Jew circumcision nor uncircumcision bar barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free but Christ is all and in all so put on the new man w what is the thing that Christ has given you and what is the thing that Christ has done in your life put that on and feed that feed the new man that which Christ has done in you and above all these things now in verse 12 Colossians 3 verse 12 put on therefore as the elect of God holy and beloved bowels of mercies kindness Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. And there's a lot more that could be said. He goes on... And, why, let's read this to the end of the chapter. Why not? He goes on to family life and to work life. He says, verse 18, Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Verse 19, Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, 
not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he has done, and there is no respect of persons. So, to wrap it up, I, I want to emphasize uh, the balance in this, that we don't go to one end where someone would say that, well, if you don't live in perfect holiness, then you cannot see the Lord. You know, the Bible has the verse that says, without holiness, no one can see the Lord. That is true, but what does that mean? That means if you have Christ, you, you have His holiness and you have His righteousness, you are clothed in the righteousness of God. If you don't have His holiness, you don't have no holiness. That does not mean, and even as some would teach today that, yeah, we're saved by grace through faith, but at the end, it'll be your good works that will, that will help to save you in the end. That is not what the Bible teaches. We're saved by grace through faith. And that teaching falls apart when you look at the thief on the cross who we know because Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. How many good works did he have to, to say that, yeah, I was saved by grace through faith and here's my list of good works that will help me get to heaven. There, there were none or not many. There was a humility that God worked at the end, at the very end. But there was no good works that God would say, yeah, your, your faith and your works, now I'm going to accept you. That's a false teaching. It's not faith and works. It's your faith will produce works. But that is a fruit. That is what comes out of your life. That is not something that you push in there so that you can build some works that God will accept. No, that comes out. Even uh, like we see in, in the scripture where it says that uh, on the last day when the, uh, the sheep and the goats will be before God and God will say, um, you have visited the sick, you have... Um, there's, there's this list of things. You've done these things and the believers will say, when did we do them? Those are fruit that flowed out of their lives because of their love for God. They will, they will say, when did we do them? They wouldn't even know when. And God will say to the goats or to those on His left that I was hungry, you didn't feed me. I was in prison, you didn't visit me. And they will say, when did we not? Didn't we prophesy and cast out demons in your name and do all these mighty works? And God will say, I never knew you. I'm saying that because if you're a believer and you're in Christ, you will have fruit. And God will accept you because He saved you. And He is your Father. You're His child. And if you are, you have, if you have trusted in the Lord, He has accepted you. And so we don't want to dilute that. What I want to bring out today is our responsibility to glorify God by our life. Put off the old man. Put on the new man. Seek those things which are above. 
set your affection on things above where Christ dwells and not on things on the earth. That doesn't mean that we should stop our, our earthly jobs and, and stop making money. But we should be careful about where our affections are. We should make sure that our affections, our wants, first of all, primarily, are about Christ and His kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, these earthly things, will be added to you. So, be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. We won't get there on this earth, but that's, that's our mindset that we should have. Where am I not pleasing to God in my life yet? And God, help me. Help me become more like you. Help me to live in a way that is pleasing to you. That, that should be the life of every Christian. And... We have different seasons in our life. Sometimes we will grow more and sometimes we will maybe stay more in one place and our foundations will grow or will become deeper because God doesn't work in everyone in the same way. But these are truths. These are universal truths that don't change. It's not one believer will live for the devil and go to, go to heaven. If you live for the devil, you're not a believer. If you're a believer, you're living for Christ. And like Romans 7 says, you will often have a struggle against the flesh because that's the fact, the spirit against the flesh. But greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And we got to recognize and confess our sins and ask God to help us, help help us to become more like Christ because that is pleasing to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the new life that is in Christ, for the peace and joy and happiness just that Christ gives, that we can know that we are forgiven and clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Thank you, God, for providing this and for Jesus, for dying on the cross for our sins and not remaining in the grave, but raising up from the dead and being alive today and forever as the mediator and the high priest between God and man. We can come to the Father openly uh, with boldness because of what Christ did. We thank you for that. We pray, Lord, you bless each one who came today. Bless them in their work, in their family, in their day-to-day -day life. Bless them with truth, with courage, with strength to do what is right. And even those who didn't come today, I pray, God, you'll be with them and give them their needs and provide for them and take care of them. And we thank you and we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen.